Welcome back to the Encounter Radio Show with Bill Reeser on 99.1 FM, life-changing radio, WJMM. So grateful that you've joined us uh, this morning once again. So grateful for your support. Uh, For any questions or any comments, if you'd like to get in touch with me, please email me at bill at thehopeencounter.org. Bill at thehopeencounter.org. If you are looking for someone to do a men's retreat, a marriage retreat, I just got back from New York City did a marriage retreat for the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church, and that was a a wonderful time. Grateful to be back. And I want to talk to you today. I've been doing a series at Encounter called a Discipleship Refresher Course, and I titled a talk, Let the Holy Spirit Do the Work. Let the Holy Spirit Do the Work. Uh, That It's just a life-changing principle uh, that is actually foreign to, to a lot of followers of Jesus. And one of the problems that I see in the church, recovery ministries, in the lives of believers, is once they get saved, there's not a clear path of discipleship, training, and teaching of how to live the life of faith with power. It's basically, now that you're saved, do your best to behave. Now that you're saved, do your best to be good. Well, that doesn't work. Behaving doesn't work. Now that you're saved, walk free. Because you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And that doesn't work either. Even, but Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Notice how Jesus combines discipleship and recovery together. But even that doesn't work, even if we claim that scripture. Because the only way you can hold to the teachings of Jesus is to first let the Holy Spirit grab hold of you first by being filled and baptized by the Holy Spirit. See, you'll never get it together until the Holy Spirit puts you back together. And so all these things that you try and do on your own, now that you're saved, do your best to obey. Obey what? The scriptures? Walk away from sin? How are you going to do that? Willpower? That's not going to work. Making it a priority? Well, you just need to make it a priority. Uh, Good luck with that. Willpower never works. But when God gives you the will and the power through his Holy Spirit, then every chain is breakable, every stronghold is demolished. But I would say that, oh, I don't know, I don't know what percentage, but it's a high percentage, maybe as high as 95% of the church's answer to all those problems is to get discipled. But you can only disciple someone as deeply as you've been discipled. You can only teach someone to pray and pray effectively Uh, only to the degree of how you pray effectively, how committed you are in your prayer life. And for those that say get discipled, again, there's there's not a lot of teachings out there of receiving who the Holy Spirit is and how to receive not just the Holy Spirit, but all that he has for them. And the majority of people will say, well, you just need a great mentor. You need a great sponsor. You need a great teaching pastor. You need a great Bible study teacher. And And that's what they think discipleship is. Yes, it is part of it. Those things aren't wrong. You need those things. And you, but I want to tell you, you can surround yourself with the best teachers on the planet. Uh, But if you don't know how to embrace two life changing principles taught at Encounter in Anchor 3 and in Anchor 11, then all the teaching and time spent learning about this, learning about that will get you nowhere. And then there are what I call masquerading compromisers. Those are the ones that the Apostle Paul warned Timothy about when he said, having a form of godliness but denying its power have nothing to do with those people. They're the kind that worm their way into homes, gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires. Watch this. Always learning but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. 
I know a lot of people who are always learning but never come to the knowledge of the truth. You see, these are the ones who want to make you like them instead of like Jesus. With their lips to say, they'll say, be like Jesus, but with their actions and what they're teaching, their flocks is be like them. See, that's very, very dangerous. I love it when Jesus said in John, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And I want to say again, who can do that? But when Jesus makes a statement like that, he gives it with the answer. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another counselor to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and he will be in you. So he gives the answer to how you can love him and keep his commands. Uh, He says, You need to embrace everything that the Holy Spirit has for you. He's going to be, I've been with you, Jesus said, but he'll be, he'll not only be with you, he'll be in you. And this is a huge life-changing principle here. Jesus can only reach their intellect, but the Holy Spirit can reach their heart and work in and through them from the inside out, something Jesus was not able to do when he was on planet Earth. Now, two huge eye-opening, chain-breaking, walking-in-freedom principles taught at Encounter are simply this. And this will change your life. You may want to write this one, write these two things down. But they're really, really simple. Believe and trust in what God has done. And two, believe and receive what God will do. Two life-changing principles. So what's the first one? Believe and trust in what God has done. We're always talking about this. Anchor three is respond to the love of God by trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ. So many people don't trust the finished work of Christ. They don't they don't believe the words of Jesus when he, when he yelled out to Telestai. It is finished, paid in full. And if you don't trust the finished work of Christ, you won't live the crucified life of Christ because you'll try and do something that's already been done and you'll wear yourself out for something that's already been finished. And that's the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. So believe and trust in what God has done. And then the second one, just as critical as the first one, let the Holy Spirit do the work for you. Anchor 11 Trust in the power of the Holy Spirit to lead and guide me. This is what was so disturbing. And I've shared a teaching about the Holy Spirit on this radio show before about how the Apostle Paul was so upset with the church in Galatia when he wrote the book of Galatians. And it's essentially a book of rebuke. The Apostle Paul is teed off. He's mad because the essential message of the gospel of grace that we're justified by faith rather by human works was being denied by legalistic Jews who insisted that Christians must keep the Mosaic law. In simpler terms, the legalistic Jews were promoting works and self to get you to heaven instead of grace and the Holy Spirit. They were false teachers sprinkling works with grace. They were abandoning the grace of God, not realizing by doing so, they were abandoning the God of grace. And what made it even worse was by adding works with grace, they were abandoning the Holy Spirit. They were trying to get the early believers to do something that only the Holy Spirit can and do for them in the future and still not trust in what Jesus has done for them on the cross. Not just the Holy Spirit of God, but the power of the Holy Spirit and what he wants and desires to pour out on anyone and everyone who will simply believe that it's available and watch this and then will ask for it. You see, live by the law 
you forfeit the power of the Holy Spirit because that's fueled by self. Live by the Holy Spirit, you'll have all the power you need because that's fueled by grace. And if you experience the Spirit-filled life, you'll experience grace in its purest form and you'll be changed from the inside out. This is a great marriage concept. Is there, because there are two lives that people live, the self-life or the spirit-filled life. Some refer to it as living under the law or living under grace. My friend Brad Rhodes in Grace Marriage says that you're either a performance-based uh, marriage or you're in a grace-based uh, marriage. You see, the self-life under the law, you see, that means you're following the law. And the problem with following the law is no one can meet the standard because break one, you break them all, and you obey not... Not from a place of gratitude, you obey from a place of obligation, and the result of that is because you can never meet the standard, is guilt and condemnation. And, and instead of trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit, it's self-reliant, trusting in your works and your power, which results in death, because there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. Instead of living the life of faith, you live a life of fear, because so, many, so much fear will come over you instead of living the life of faith, and that type of life grieves the Holy Spirit. The result is guilt and condemnation and a list of do's and don'ts, always feeling guilty about what you can never do, what you haven't done, what you continue not to do. And that's why Paul was so teed off and mad when he wrote the book of Galatians. And another name for the self-life would be religion. See, this is what religion's all about. But the spirit-filled life, empowered and fueled by the Holy Spirit, is a life of one grace. Now we obey from a place of gratitude because we believe and value and are grateful for the finished work of Christ. Now the Holy Spirit's going to do all the work for us moving forward. Anything we'll ever need from God's going to come from the Holy Spirit. Instead of living a life of death, it's, it's, it's the abundant life that Jesus Christ died for, full of faith instead of fear, which pleases the Holy Spirit instead of grieving the Holy Spirit. The result is living in the flow of the Spirit, therefore protected under the grace umbrella, which is why another name for the Spirit-filled life is relationship. So the church was facing a theological crisis, and Paul doesn't waste a single word getting to the heart of the matter. He starts out in the first chapter. He says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you. Let him be under God's curse. Another translation says, let that person be eternally condemned. And so he's just really teed off. He goes into chapter 3, the uh, first five verses. He says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I'd like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit? By the works of the law, notice how he brings the Holy Spirit into it, or by believing what you heard. Are you so foolish after beginning by the means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? He's talking about that sprinkling of works with the finished work of Christ, not believing in the baptism and the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So I ask again, does God give you his spirit, and watch this, and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you had heard? He goes on in chapter 5, says, you were running a good race. Who cut you in from obeying the truth? And, and when he gets to the end of chapter 5, 
he gives the answer. And here's the answer. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves, which is evil, and, that, and which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. He says, he goes on to say, but when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. Just what I was talking about a few minutes ago. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. And he lists all these sins, uh, uh, which basically sounds like my, my own testimony. But he says, he says, let me tell you, as I have before, living like this, people don't live, inherit the kingdom of God, being drunk, being angry, idolatry, and all these other sins that he lists. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, he says. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross. And since we're living by the Spirit, here it is. Let's follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. He says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. You know, I always thought that that was just a sin scripture talking just about sin, but he's talking about grieving the Holy Spirit. We will reap what we sow later and greater if we continue to grieve the Holy Spirit. Friends, I want to tell you, let the Holy Spirit do the work for you. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Embrace everything that the Holy Spirit has for you. In tomorrow's Encounter Radio Show, we're going to talk about part two of how to let the Holy Spirit do the work for you.